the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by George Rodriguez on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, 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 my friends. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio on this beautiful July 13th, 2019. How is everybody? I hope you've had, uh, I hope you're still recovering. <laughs> I'm still recovering a little bit from, uh, from my, uh, 4th of July. I, you know, I didn't eat as much meat as, uh, you know, barbecue and whatnot. I ate a lot. I ate a ton of, uh, of, uh, dessert. Lots and lots of, uh, brownies and pastries and whatnot. But anyway. So anyway, let's, uh, let's, uh, talk a little bit about our show today. We've got two very, very good, um, uh, guests with us today. We've got uh, Jason Jones, who's becoming a regular for us. And Jason is a border um, uh, crime expert. And Jason is going to talk to us about, uh, I, I don't know how many of you have read uh, one of my posting, but um, uh, there have been an average, get this, an average of 94 murders, an, a- an average of 94 murders uh, in the past six months in Mexico. And uh, that uh, I mean, that's that's more than 17,000, my friends, 17,000 murders in the first six months of 2019. I, I, you know, I'm not sure if that's happening in Afghanistan. I'm not sure if that's happening in uh, in Iraq. Uh, it, it is the violence has reached a a, a, a record level. And uh, it uh, I am not sure, you know, uh, how. Uh, much of that awareness is coming into the United States via our media, but it needs to, my friends, it needs to, because that violence, that level of violence has got to spill over into our communities and into our nation sooner or later. And I, I think it's already happening. I mean, we've got the MS-13 gang members uh, running loose, um, but this, you know, this level of violence, 17,000, yes, one seven and then three zeros. Uh, in the first six months of, of 2019, that's uh, that's incredible. So Jason Jones is going to be talking to us a little bit about that. Uh, also, we've got a new guest, uh, Mr. Sal Martinez. Mr. Martinez has written a book uh, called NARC. Uh, he is a former DE agent, uh, and uh, he's going to chat with us a little bit also about um, the uh, harrowing experiences that he faced as a DE agent in Mexico. Uh, undercover and without protection, as well as uh, his take on what uh, is happening in Mexico regarding the uh, the level of violence. But um, uh, let's go ahead and, and, and go with uh, a few of the um, uh, updates of the news um, that uh, have happened over the past uh, few days. Uh, first of all, let me, let me say that there is no limit. There is no limit to the lawlessness of some Democrats. I mean, incredible. First of all, uh, we had Cory Booker, uh, who's running for president as a Democrat? He went literally. He was uh, he was in El Paso and he uh, helped some asylum seekers to cross the border illegally. These are asylum seekers that were waiting, uh, that had already received uh, their uh, their their uh, filings, that had already received their their notices that they were going to be uh, reviewed as far as their asylum. They were legally in uh, in Mexico, but uh, he went across the border. And escorted uh, these folks and brought them into the United States illegally, completely circumventing the uh, the system. In- incredible. I mean, you know, uh, he was behaving like a human smuggler. So that uh, that happened one day last week. Um, then uh, we had a Texas congresswoman, Veronica Escobar, who is the congresswoman in El Paso, Texas, another Democrat. And uh, she ha- they found out that she has secretly been, been sending her staff, staff that is paid by the taxpayers. She has been secretly sending her staff to Mexico to find 
and uh, I mean to locate, I mean, you know, literally to find. She goes and, and, and searches. Her staff goes down and searches for folks that they will coach and uh, they will explain to them how they can circumvent uh, the loopholes in the asylum uh, process. And uh, again, my friends, I mean, these folks are undermining immigration law. They are violating their oath uh, to uh, uh, obey the Constitution. What uh, part of the word illegal, what part of, of, of uh, the uh, sense of, of decency do they lack? I just don't understand it. I really, really don't understand it. My opinion, my friends, very, very sincerely, is that both of these folks need to be prosecuted. But again, we're not going to do that because we have reached a level in the United States where we are very, very tolerant. We are acceptant of, uh, of, of this type of lawlessness because supposedly it is done in the name of, of charity, in the name of, of goodwill. Uh, for helping people that want to enter the United States illegally. I mean, you know, uh, the bottom line is that the folks are coming in illegally, uh, but that doesn't seem to matter. Then there's been the reports. There's been the reports from the uh, other Democrats that have been visiting, uh, and I'll use that term very, very loosely because I myself have witnessed it. They're, you know, they don't really uh, visit these detention centers down along the border. They, uh, they kind of just, in some cases, even just kind of drive by, view them from the outside. Uh, at any rate, uh, of course, they've been carrying on about how these detention centers are in t- terrible condition and uh, they fault the Border Patrol. Well, OK, let me let, let me put some reality. Let me put a little bit of reality on this. OK, first of all, first of all, let's understand that the Border Patrol was never designed. The Border Patrol was never designed as an agency for child care. OK, that's number one. That's number one. These guys were not recruited for their skills. As kids, for, with kids, they are not teachers. They are not uh, primary uh, uh, kindergarten ki- uh, teachers. I mean, they were not hired to be babysitters. They were not hired for that. Secondly, the facilities, the facilities that they're in, they were not designed to hold minors. In fact, they were not designed to hold people for any length of period more than a few days because the way that it used to be, the way that it used to be was that they would apprehend somebody and they would send them back across the border almost immediately. That's not happening now. Now, there are, besides the fact that there are thousands, yes, thousands of folks crossing, this is not two or three people being caught, detained, and then deported. There are thousands of people coming, people with kids, okay, people with kids. And sometimes they are kids. We, we reported a, a couple of weeks ago about how one uh, one um, study found out that forty uh, percent of the people that were crossing with kids were not related to those kids. We found another report that uh, that uh, uh, confirmed that many of these kids are being recycled. In other words, they're being sent back uh, across the border, and uh, then they're coming across again with another person that they don't know. So, I mean, uh, these kids need to be separated from adults for their own safety and for the safety, uh, for, for the uh, uh, understanding of who, who these families really, really are. I mean, for the investigation purposes. But that doesn't seem to matter to, to the Democrats. All they want to do is make uh, a, a situation worse by uh, making political hay out of it. Third, we've got to understand, my friends, third, we've got to understand that the floor is law. The law that uh, convoluted this whole mess has, uh, you know, as well as Congress's failure to act, they have created an incentive for people to bring those kids across the border. And that is the resulting, uh, that is resulting in, in the overcrowding. I mean, to blame the Border Patrol, to blame the Border Patrol for the overcrowding and the problems that it's caused is like blaming the police for too many arrests and an overcrowded jail. It's, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. They are doing their job, and the fault is Congress's for, for, for not addressing the loopholes and for tacitly encouraging people to come illegally to the United States. The issue could be very, very easily resolved. How? By deporting people as quickly as you catch them. They enter the country illegally. You take them back across the border, or you send them back to their home country. It's that simple. That's the way it used to be. But now we've created loopholes and upon a loophole upon a loophole, and it's caused us a problem. Uh, finally, let me uh, chat real quick um, before we go to our first uh, 
to our first interview um, about how, you know, this this whole situation with this whole terrible, terrible situation with President Trump uh, and, and the census question, my friends. Let me be very, very honest and blunt. The census of the United States is important because it is the means by which federal funding is distributed as well as by which the uh, the Congress establishes seats, reapportions the seats in Congress. Some states win, some states lose. Some communities gain, some communities don't. And that should be based, those gains in, 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 in uh, the representation of the government and in the funding by government should be based on citizens. It is the citizens that should matter. If someone has broken the law to enter the country, why should they benefit I'm sorry, why should they benefit in any form or fashion, especially by the representation in, in, in uh, government and by uh, receiving federal funding for their for uh, their communities? I'm sorry. Then there's the communities that are that are willfully violating the law by creating sanctuaries and, and encouraging people to move there. I mean, it, it is uh, that cannot be rewarded. So, uh, you know, when it comes to the census, I've got to ask the judiciary, the judiciary, uh, these judges, why, why, you know, what's the point of being an, a, a regular, a, a, a lawful citizen, a citizen, a lawful citizen of the United States, if uh, people who entered the country illegally are being counted and receiving the same benefits, privileges and, uh, and rights? I mean, I don't understand that. At any rate, my friends, thank you for uh, joining us. Uh, stick around. We'll be right back in a little bit. Um, we, like I said, we've got Jason Jones first, uh, who uh, is an expert in, in uh, border crime. And uh, he's got some, you know, interesting stories to tell you. And then uh, we've also got Mr. Sal Martinez, who's going to um, also give us a, an update uh, or a, uh, a, a saga of um, – from his book about what he has seen and what he has experienced as a DEA judge, my friends. So um, thank you for being with us. I hope that um, that you will call your friends and tell them to join us. We uh, really, really want to uh, encourage folks to um, to support us uh, as as we see across the country, my friends, as we see across the country. There's very few efforts uh, by the mainstream media to tell you the truth, particularly to tell you the, the truth from the perspective of a uh, conservative uh, Hispanic. So um, I hope you'll stick around and uh, to call your friends, tell them to join us. This is George Rodriguez on El Conservador, KLUP 930 AM radio in San Antonio, The Answer. Conservador listeners, if you are interested in following George Rodriguez, El Conservador, we invite you to follow him at his internet website, elconservador.net. You can also follow him on Facebook at George Rodriguez El Conservador and on Twitter at El Conservador for daily commentaries. You can also purchase his book, El Conservador, Conservative Opinions, online at Amazon.com. The book contains essays and commentaries about illegal immigration, fake news, and race relations. If you're interested in inviting El Conservador to speak to your group or event, please contact him through Facebook or through the station at 930amtheanswer.com. El Conservador thanks you for your support. Keep the fire of freedom burning. Howdy, 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 my friend. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer. <clears throat> and we've got uh, one of our very, very good friends, um, Mr. J- Mr. Uh, Jason uh, Jones, who is who is a uh, criminal expert, a border criminal expert. And um, uh, he was on Lou Dobbs. <clears throat> he was on Lou Dobbs the other day. And... Um, Let's uh, let's ask him to give us an update of what is going on uh, with border crime and uh, with uh, the cartels, et cetera, et cetera. Um, taking into account a recent report that um, in Mexico there have been seventeen thousand, over seventeen thousand murders uh, this past in six months, I believe. And we'll ask uh, Jason. Jason, welcome to the show. Give us. Give us an update and tell us what the heck is going on with crime on the border, uh, on our side and on their side. Yeah, sure, George. Good morning, and uh, thanks for having me again. It's good to be with you. 
unfortunately, you know, we're getting the reports coming in now that in the first six months of 2019, uh, the Mexican government has reported that 17,065 people have been murdered in that country, and that puts them on par to exceed 2018, that they had 33,000, just under 34,000. So right now, Mexico is on par to beat last year's numbers and put the the year in, you know, things continue at the rate they are. Uh, it will be the most violent year uh, in Mexico. My goodness. Just yeah, that's incredible. Over 17,000 in six months. Uh, that's That's a war zone. That's an absolute war zone. What is going on? Well, and to put it in perspective a little bit, too, you know, um, going back to 2007, that country has sustained over 200,000 citizens being killed by the cartels. And so what's really happened recently, the Mexican government came out with their numbers that 80 percent, 80 percent of that country is under the control of organized crime. So what the new administration and the president, AMLO, has done is they have created a new National Guard. That is something that Mexico does pretty well, this rebranding of law enforcement. You know, if you remember under the, the Nieto administration, they came, created the Hand of Maria. Um, and now under AMLO, they have gone with a new National Guard um, uh, program for the country. And what they've been doing is pulling uh, resources from both Sedena forces, from Samar forces, and from federal forces. Uh, the, the federales to create this new National Guard. And the president, I will tell you, over the last two weeks has had a lot of blowback. The federales um, are not happy about this. They have been protesting throughout the country. Um, they're worried about their benefits. They're worried about what this means. And to be quite frank, they just don't want to go through the change. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big believer that, you know, if you just put a new coat of paint on it, it doesn't fix the underlying problems. And so... You know, those are some of the challenges that the administration is facing. But at the ground level in Mexico, how does this affect the cartels? Well, they themselves have put out through their own propaganda. They welcomed uh, the National Guard into Nuevo Laredo and into uh, some of the southern states, Guerrero and Michoacan, and told them, welcome, we're glad you're here, but let's see if the same number of you that came are the same number that leaves. So wow, that's a real <laughs> nice threat down there. But I am hopeful for the National Guard. I, you know, I want Mexico to be successful, but I'm also very realistic. Now, the, these, uh, you know, obviously the the these cartels, uh, the organized crime. Uh, there was uh, at one point a lot of shooting amongst them between them as they fought for power. Is that still uh, is that still going on, or um, has uh, power been consolidated? And are they? Uh, are they uh, now just, you know, carrying on their criminal an- enterprise? Well, so the way it works is they battle for space and control of the plazas. So a lot of the, the listeners may remember the 2011 to 2013 battle in the Juarez Plaza, for example. When they battle for that for that space, once someone wins, which Sinaloa did in 2013, the violence subsides. Uh, that is not as a result of the U.S. government. It is not a result of the Mexican government. It's a result of when one cartel over the other actually wins, which is tells you the level of control that they actually have in Mexico. But all of the plazas right now are embattled, and we've not been here before. I mean, we are in completely new space. And I will tell you, I worked this issue back at the height in 2011, 2012, when the Lalzetas were battling the Gulf Cartel and Sinaloa all over the country along with Beltran Leyva. Even then, you know, the historical spots and vacation areas like Cancun, Playa del Carmen, Acapulco, those were all off limits. And if you notice now, uh, that's not the case. As a matter of fact, if you look at Acapulco, you know, that's one of the most violent cities in the world. I think it's now rated at number three. So it's a real shame as to what we have seen. And this is why you hear me talk a lot, George, too, about now we've got to look at things differently. And this is why I believe we need to designate the cartels as terrorist organizations, because we can't investigate our way out of this problem any longer. We, you know, the, the, it really, really is. I mean, this is like trying to negotiate with the Taliban where they're, when they're blowing, blowing people up outside uh, the negotiating uh, room. It, this is, this, this is inc- incredible. Now, the, the violence also that, that's going on, uh, is it just petty criminals, just people, you know, shooting each other because it's become a, a culture of violence? It, it is. It's both, actually. Um, so 
I, I'm expecting the Juarez Plaza to get heated again. Uh, Sinaloa Cartel is being confronted by the Juarez Cartel, who has been aligned with Cartel Jalisco New Generation. So we, we're seeing a lot of skirmishes pick up there. Also recently, Cartel del Noreste, which is CDN. It's the new offshoot of the Los Zetas Cartel in Nuevo Laredo. We've recently seen them make some movements, and I, and I won't identify the town yet, but uh, they've crossed the DMZ line, if you will, into uh, the Gulf Cartel territory. So I'm expecting within the next few months, probably six months, we're going to see those two cartels go to war as well. Um, they're preparing for that now. So that's some of the heartache that's directly going to affect the great state of Texas. Uh, and yeah, tell us, tell us how it is. Those two plazas um and those cartels are going to go at it. Yeah, tell tell us how that Im- impacts on our side. How does that? What oh, does that do? It absolutely does. Let me tell you. I remember when uh, in twenty, really, it began in, at the end of '09, but in 2010, when the Zetas pulled away from the Gulf Cartel, what ends up happening is those who, when they when they battle, those folks on the U.S. side who've been involved in the drug trade, when they're behind on payments when they're suspected of not being loyal, they will come into the country and, and actually commit kidnappings and take them back into Mexico. And I remember very, very, very vividly one of the things that really made us uh, at the state police level monitor the daily tripwires and triggers of what the cartels were doing was when El Cos had an individual by the name of Metro Thres killed. That was an internal hit done on the Gulf Cartel. And overnight, the Metro's attack the main cartel leadership, and they were literally fleeing into the United States. I mean, overnight, George, we had between 30 and 50 high-ranking Gulf cartel members with their families coming into the country to try to flee the violence because the other side was attacking for killing their boss. So when the battles happen, we really have to pay attention because it will affect Texas, and it will affect the folks on our side. Amazing. You know, there was a, a situation uh, a few years ago, prob- probably during that period, um, where uh, there was a shootout right here in the Stone Oak area of San Antonio, which is a very, very uh, nice upper, minco- upper income area. Uh, but it was the result of a family from Monterrey coming up here and um, apparently uh, another cartel that had located them and threatened them. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we're seeing we've seen it already. Uh, you think that it's just going to escalate and get worse? I, I do, unfortunately. I am not seeing uh, the level of collaboration between the U.S. federal intelligence community sharing intelligence down with uh, SAMAR, which is the special forces, basically the Marines of uh, Mexican government. They're their most elite unit. Now, they have been uh, historically on the ground going after key leadership of the cartels and key nodes of the cartels. What we're seeing now out of the new administration in Mexico is really a, a wall-off and a pushback against U.S. Uh, federal law enforcement intelligence community to go after these cartel leaders. And I am going to tell you right now, that's one of the big drivers behind why the violence is escalating so badly, because they're free to roam and free to battle. That can't be allowed to happen, in my opinion. And I am hopeful, based on some of these numbers that have just come out, that the new administration will recognize that and really get to work to go after the cartels. Because we know from experience, George, that one thing they don't handle well is constant pressure from law enforcement, whether, whether that be uh, you know, law enforcement in Mexico or their military forces. They, what they have learned to do very well is take the quick hits that the military does where they roll in stay a week or two and then leave but when you come in and you occupy territory with our soldiers or let me rephrase that with their soldiers um they don't handle that well and so i'm hopeful that the uh new government administration is going to go back to that model because we can see right now with the numbers coming in it's not working what they're doing wow um real quick tell for the folks how they can uh follow you how they can uh Read more about uh, the stuff that you write and uh, and uh, how they can contact you even. Yeah, sure. I post every day on uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, just go to jasonjones.com, J-A-E-S-O-N, jones.com, and uh, you can find me there. Great. Thank you very, very much, Jason, for being on our show. And uh, we'll get you uh, on again so that we can uh, listen to uh, what you got to say. Give us an update of uh, what's going on. I mean, it's very dangerous times. Thanks a lot, Jason. 
Hey, George, great talking to you as always. Thanks for having me. Again, my friends, that was our dear friend, uh, Mr. Jason Jones, talking to us uh, regarding the uh, border crime. You know, my friends, it, it, it is just incredibly, incredibly dangerous, the criminal element that is going on just south of our border. And uh, what is equally incredible or incredulous to me is the lack of, uh, of understanding, the lack of response the politics that's being played on our side of the border by um, by Democrats and by some Republicans uh, acting like, uh, like like there is nothing going on. This is every bit as dangerous, my friends. This is every bit as dangerous as any terrorist group, any war, any warring nation, anybody that is out to get the United States and its citizens. It's every bit as dangerous. And yet we continue to kind of ignore it. This is not typical illegal immigration anymore, my friends. This is not the immigration that my parents knew where people came across, worked and went home. No, 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 my friends. This is dangerous. These are cartels bringing in uh, people who uh, are desperate and will do anything uh, for anyone, including commit crime, including commit terrorist acts. We have got to control the border, my friends. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer. Howdy, 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 folks. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And uh, we've got uh, another very, very interesting guest for us. And we've got uh, Mr. Sal Martinez. Sal is a, uh, has written a book called NARC, Convictions of a DEA Agent. And we want to chat with uh, Sal, uh, not only about his book, but uh, his personal experiences. Um, the situation that we've got that we reported about, about earlier Regarding the murder level, uh, the amount of chaos, the murder that's going on in in Mexico, 17,000, over 17,000 uh, murders in the past six months. And Sal being a DEA agent um, and having been born and raised in, on the border in El Paso, uh, he um, he is going to shed a little bit of light on us for uh, about all this stuff. So, Sal, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, thank you for being with us. Um Tell us uh, about uh, your book and your and whatever uh, connection you might uh, be able to make to this uh, uh, horrible situation that's going on in Mexico right now with uh, with the uh, with the murder rate. Well, well first of all, I, I was born and raised in El Paso, so I'm very familiar with the uh, border culture and, and uh, things along the border that actually happened back in the started back in the '90s when the, the drug cartel started escalating and literally running local governments and uh, overriding many law enforcement authorities. Uh, so as, as I grew up, I, I, I became a state trooper and uh, worked a little bit of traffic before I ended up going to go to the Drug Enforcement Administration and ended up being stationed back in El Paso, my hometown. And while I was working there, I had a lot of uh, success arresting many drug violators and also tons of illicit drugs. So then I was asked to work in Juarez uh, under uh, without any actual <laughs> formal approval uh, by any of the, the government, so uh, technically I was working uh, under the radar. So as I was over there, I was I was looking at how the drug cartels. Originally, they would just murder people that were specifically tied into to the drug trafficking organizations, but in, a lot now it's gotten to the point where a lot of innocent bystanders are getting caught in a crossfire. So uh, what's going to happen is we have enough law enforcement agencies over there, and you can get military and law enforcement all trying to, to cover the streets, George, but it's not going to happen. I mean, the, the, the killing is going to continue. It's very interesting because there, uh, coupled with the story about the murder rate was also another story about how the, um, how the Mexican government is cracking down on the illegal aliens from, uh, from uh, Central America, that they're starting to deport them and remove them, et cetera, et cetera. And there's very, very little outcry. There's very, there's a lot of support for the, for the Mexican government doing that, but uh, when it comes to the issue of the murder rate and the violence, uh, uh, not much is being done about that, I guess. 
But I have little faith in, in a lot of the, uh, the mil- uh, Mexican mili- uh, military actions and uh, law enforcement actions because a lot of them, unfortunately, are not uh, motivated because of low pay. On the other hand, you have uh, a lot of uh, you have people making decisions and allowing certain uh, factions to co- to control those areas. So you're going to have a lot of corruption. Now, the other thing is, is to put uh, uh, military and police. Uh, saying that they're going to put them on the border. They, they should have done that a long time ago. Any country should protect uh, their, their borders. Mexico hasn't been doing it. They're letting all these people from Central and South America come up right through their uh, through their country uh, as a pathway to enter the United States. Uh, shame on them for, for allowing that to happen. So uh, by them putting out there saying they're going to do that, I, again, I have little faith. Unfortunately, there's going to be a lot of cases of abuse and uh, kidnappings, extortions, and, and murders. It's just not a very good situation. I just don't have faith in the Mexican um, uh, system right now. Tell us about your book and what you write about regarding the whole situation that you experienced in your days as a DEA agent down there. Well, I was a very successful undercover agent there in El Paso and, and, uh, and other, by seeing a lot of the bureaucratic uh, aspects of, of the DEA working with the Mexican government, uh, we, we provide, the American taxpayers provide multi-million uh, dollar packages for the drug war. And a lot of that money never makes it down to the frontline soldiers. I was down there with those officers. I would have to provide them with uh, our own money from our own DEA offices. So I explained a lot of that stuff when I was working in Mexico. Was I did that for several years. And it was, uh, again, many times I had a, an AK-47 in my face. Uh, I was trying to do something good for God and country. And as I did that, I was just seeing a lot of the negative aspects of the Mexican uh version of law of the drug war now if something would have happened to you if something would have you know gone wrong what would uh, the american government would have done what what would have been the response to that kind of a of a situation well there, uh, there was like I said, very, uh, there was some, a couple times like i said uh, i was held at gunpoint and and uh, literally a, a trigger uh, a trigger would have would have ended my life but uh, once my supervisors, they would ask me, well, how do you feel about it? Well, I, I said, I'm okay. I, did, I made it. So, uh, all right. I mean, it's up to you. If you want to go back, of course. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I did, thought was our was our mission. Uh, and I, I really, uh, the personal, another situation occurred at the end where the government did turn its back on me. And that's what, that's part of my book as well. I, I explain how I've been to both extremes of the criminal justice system. And uh, I, I show people, and especially people in law enforcement, they should read this book because they, uh, it explains and don't relate to a lot of my stories, but they're going to be uh, amazed at what happens in the end. The situation with uh, law enforcement folks uh, having to depend on people who could be bought off very easily—I mean, isn't that isn't that just frightening? And and so, uh, I mean, I, I you know I, I don't know if I could trust anybody like that. That's right, especially down in the drug war. And the, the drug culture itself is plata o plomo, you know, just or silver. So, uh, regardless of, and then there's a lot of teams that I work with, George. These these Mexican uh, young Mexican law enforcement officials that were were vetted, uh, they were supposed to be help us out and, and work by national uh, lateral investigations. But within months, a lot of them were bought off by the, the cartel, uh, and unfortunately, it's going to continue. I mean, it's going to take generations before anything changes down there in Mexico. I, I you know, I, the the culture, the culture of uh, la mordida, the, the bribe, uh, it, it's so ingrained, uh, I am not sure how the heck you ever, you know, we can ever overcome that. Having to work in such a culture undercover, I, you know, would have been absolutely scary. You know, uh, some of the things that, uh, again, regarding the complacency of the Mexican people, uh, if anything, we, we would be rioting over here in the United States if things were happening the way they are down there. I mean, literally, they, they need to go on and have some kind of general mass movement to change and, and to eliminate the politicians who are not helping out the poor. But as for the other stuff that I was doing, George, regarding the, uh, uh, the, the I've actually witnessed the tortures and, and extortions and, and uh, other things that the Mexican law enforcement authorities would do down there just to try to get uh, it their way. And unfortunately, I, I didn't like what I saw. The, uh, you know, bringing up the violence, I remember that there were uh, there, there, uh, there have been body parts that turn up, uh, even now, um, you know, as the cartels fight with each other and as they, uh, try to send messages, uh, to politicians, um, is that still very, very common down there? Absolutely. I think the uh, level of, uh, 
uh, violence is going to continue and it's just going to get more grotesque. There's like a tolerance uh, that has just been uh, exponentially grown the last decade. Uh, I think uh, a lot of these factions are, are, are breaking away from the main, main cartel organizations, and that's, that's where a lot of the violence is coming from. So uh, it just it's not going to get any easier. Uh, those people, again, has to, has to be, they have to rely on, on a much more effective law enforcement uh, you know, presence and investigations because I mean, even when they get arrested down there, George, they're, they're letting them go. You know, they have political contacts, and the and the, the people that get arrested, they're, they're being allowed to, to go back to the streets and operate. Even when they're in jail, though, they uh, they they can still operate their organizations. One of the things that was very curious uh, uh, was when uh, El Chapo Guzman's wife. Uh, wanted to bring him some uh, enchiladas because he hadn't had any homemade cooking in his uh, in his cell. Uh, it, it showed the absurdity, the absolute absurdity of this situation. Uh, I, I mean, what can you comment about that? Well, again, I think if, if she actually did want something like that, it was to show a little bit of uh, arrogance on her part to bring something like that. Or you just don't do stuff like that. Or maybe in Mexican prisons you do, but not over here. Uh, again, as for the whole situation about him being in jail sure the family's going to be devastated anybody who has someone who's gone to prison their whole family's devastated so i believe me i can provide first-hand accounts about that wow uh what would you what would you tell the the american public uh our audience uh regarding the violence that's going on down there and your experience what have you seen what do you think is where are we headed i think the thing's not going to change nothing's going to change in mexico and that's what we're focused on let's see what happens in mexico and what's going to happen is that have to have some kind of organized effort to, to combat the traffickers. They have to have a, a much more uh, effective judicial system uh, with, the, with the prosecutors and attorneys and, and providing the, the evidence necessary to go on and convict these cartel members. But again, they're, they're inept down there. They're not providing the, their, 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 their law enforcement officers with, with proper pay or training. So thus, the cartels are a lot more aggressive and a lot much, much more powerful politically and Again, with all the ammunition and, and weapons and manpower, it doesn't look good. Tell the folks uh, where they can find your book. Your, the book, name of your book, once again, is um, NARC, Convictions of a DA, DEA Agent. Uh, tell the folks where they can, where they can, uh, where, where they can uh, uh, get a copy. I have it on uh, Amazon and, uh, or Barnes & Noble. You can get it online. Uh, I'm, it's a self-published book, so I'm having a hard time to get the, somebody to put it in a uh, available to public uh, forums but right now we can get them on you can get it through amazon uh, or barnes and noble online great thank you very much um one last question let me let me ask you real quick do uh do you think that it would be helpful to put to put um, the cartels on a terrorist list i think a lot of this is uh it doesn't really help let's just say like this fbi most wanted list i mean i think it's somewhat of a publicity thing it really is i think if we, we know who they are and the people who are trying to arrest these people uh, know who they are. So I think that's our priority is to put it out there for, for any uh, public citizen just to be aware of who they are. It's not really going to help, George. I think it's it's more of a thing where uh, the, uh, the law enforcement authorities on, on the, here in the United States know who they are, and that's our priority. Gotcha. Thank you very much for taking time to uh, to be with us. Uh, we've been talking with Mr. Sal uh, Martinez, who, is, uh, who has written a book, NARC, Convictions of a DEA Agent. Thank you for being with us. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. Hello, El Conservador listeners. If you are interested in following George Rodriguez, El Conservador, we invite you to follow him at his internet website, elconservador.net. You can also follow him on Facebook at George Rodriguez El Conservador and on Twitter at El Conservador for daily commentaries. You can also purchase his book, El Conservador, Conservative Opinions, online at Amazon.com. The book contains essays and commentaries about illegal immigration, fake news, and race relations. If you're interested in inviting El Conservador to speak to your group or event, please contact him through Facebook or through the station at 930amtheanswer.com. El Conservador thanks you for your support. Keep the fire of freedom burning. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas, on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer. So, 
Um, let's talk uh, about the Hispanic vote. Um, and I want to chat about this a little bit because um, uh, last Thursday, uh, July 11th, Texas Public Radio, that wonderful institution of liberalism uh, that uses our tax money, Texas Public Radio uh, did a, uh, a 45 minute, yeah, I believe it was 45 minutes long presentation on the Latino vote and what it means. I mean, that this happens periodically, uh, particularly whenever we're getting ready for a, uh, a presidential election or some uh, important election, uh, like in the state of Texas, the Senate election for uh, Ted Cruz uh, last, uh, last year. Uh, you know, it, it happens periodically. They start talking about the Hispanic vote. Um, you know, let, let's talk about that because um, there seems to be uh, there seems to be uh, trouble in in, in paradise. Uh, at least that's uh, as far as the uh, the Hispanic community is concerned. Uh, a good majority of it. Now, when I talk about the Hispanic community, let let me make sure that you understand that there is no monolithic, no monolithic. Uh, Hispanic community. There is, there is a community of folks who are of Spanish surname or of Hispanic descent. Um, but that is, you know, that group is so varied, is so diverse that uh, you know you 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 you've got to make sure that uh, that you're talking about a regional community rather than a a a an ethnic community, a national ethnic community, a a commu- a racial community. It's not. It is not a, a, a monolithic community. For example, for example, there are people of Hispanic descent who are actually of Spanish descent that live in New Mexico, the Tierra Amarilla area up in the northern part of Mexico, New Mexico, that have lived there since the 16th century. Families that have lived there in the 16th century. On the other hand, on the other hand, you go right down the Rio Grande in New Mexico and you go into the Pueblo communities, the Pueblo Indian communities, and many of those folks they speak Spanish. They have Spanish surnames. The Pueblo Indians, the 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 Zuni, uh, the Hamas folks. These folks are, are are as far from being Spanish as anything. You know, there are folks who are of Cuban descent. My good friend Silvio Canto up in uh, up in uh, Dallas. Uh, you know, he's of he's of Cuban descent. Uh, I am uh, of uh, Tejano, Texan, uh, Texas-Mexican descent, and Comanche, very much Comanche. I mean, you know, then you've got uh, folks like uh, Papi, what's his name, Uh, David Ortiz, that just got shot uh, in, uh, he's recovering, thank heaven, uh, in the Dominican Republic, the baseball player. And uh, he is Dominican. Um, Dominicans look are, are of African descent. A good majority of them, a good number of them, should I say, are of African descent. Uh, you look at, uh, at at Papi. You look at David Ortiz. Uh, you know he doesn't look uh, Latino in the sense that many people think of Latinos. So the bottom line to that is, my friends, is that it, it is a varied community, and this varied community is having uh, is also. Uh, integrating. It's also experiencing the, the uh, immigration uh, experience that all uh, groups that have come to the United States have experienced. With the exception, maybe you can talk about the, the black slaves, but all, everyone else has, to a large extent, integrated into the United States. Japanese Americans have, have, have spoken better, Span- better English than uh, many English speakers in America. Uh, Chinese have integrated. And that's happening with us, with folks of Hispanic descent, His, Americans of Hispanic descent. Um, in the meantime, as we're doing that, we are also experiencing this growing leftist, we are seeing this leftist movement within the, the Democratic Party. We are seeing things that, we, that, that, that many of us dislike, like Julian Castro getting up there and declaring that he's going to give this and give that to illegal aliens, to illegal aliens. Never mind that illegal aliens have competed with Hispanics, with Mexicans, with Americans of Mexican descent in South Texas. They have competed for jobs, for resources. And here Julian Castro is favoring them, opening up, wants to open up the, uh, the, the, uh, the border. The other thing, my friends, is our culture. 
Our culture, you know, I, I'm, I'm sorry. There's no way, other way to say it. Our culture is very macho, very, very macho. And when you've got somebody coming in and screaming and yelling in a high-pitched voice about gender identity, it doesn't, it doesn't connect with many of us. It does not connect with many of us. The other thing is that we're very family-oriented. We're very family-oriented. So when somebody comes in and, and screams about abortion on demand, we don't respond to it. So, you know, this situation of the diversity and the integration, the assimilation, all of these things, my friends, are having an impact on the, on, on, on the so-called Latino vote. You know, I support, my friends, I support fully Immigration and Customs Enforcement, ICE. I support their, their, their efforts to enforce immigration law. After all, my friends, what's the point of having laws if lawbreakers are not punished? We can't continue to excuse and reward illegal immigration. And I happen to support, as an American citizen, as a Texan, I support ICE. I want immigration law enforced. You've got, uh, you know, uh, you've got the citizen question. You've got Democrats and some Republicans screaming and yelling about how it's going to scare the Latino. It's going to scare some Latinos. Why? Why scare? Why would it scare Latinos? Certainly doesn't scare me. I mean, why would the citizen question, especially since I'm a citizen? Why would it scare me? The only people it scares are Democrats who are afraid of the real truth and Democrats that want to incur, that want to cause fear. In the Latino community, that's where the problem is. You've got, uh, you know, uh, recently uh, on the sanctuary issue, you've got uh, uh, the New Jersey, New Jersey attorney general that he has threatened police, police in New Jersey. They he's threatened them that they should not cooperate with ICE. When Latinos, when Americans of Latino descent hear that, my friends, I guarantee that doesn't sit well with them. When you've got Democrats using a child's death, like recently they did at, uh, in, the, um, uh, in, in a hearing uh, at, in, in the House, this uh, young lady, this Yasmina, Yasmin Juarez uh, from Guatemala, whose 19-month-old daughter died from uh, pneumonia, from complications. And she's blaming, this, this lady is blaming the United States for the death of her daughter. Let me tell you, my friends, nothing turns us off more than the death of a child. And when it's used politically like this, like the Democrats are using, they had this huge hearing and they paraded this woman, this 19 year old, this uh, young 19 year old woman uh, to crying and whatnot. You had Ocasio-Cortez up there crying crocodile tears about this whole situation. My friends. People would not be dying. People would not be coming here illegally if the Democrats weren't encouraging it. If the if they were not if, if Republicans in the past had not rewarded it. OK, that's the problem that we've got. We've got, you know, uh, this the situation in New York now where the New York governor has signed legislation. Andrew Cuomo has signed legislation that allows illegal aliens to get licenses, driver's licenses. That's incredible, my friends. That is incredible. That, you know, sounds very, very nice. It sounds very, very uh, noble. But I'm telling you, my friends, the more that you reward illegal immigration, what are you going to get? And we know that. Here's why we as Americans of Hispanic, of Latino descent, particularly of Mexican descent, understand this. Because do you know where the, where the illegal alien criminals end up? They end up in our communities, in our neighborhoods. That's where they end up because that's where they can hide in plain sight. That's where you've got lots of loudmouth activists, lots of loudmouth activists who scream and, and, and yell to protect them. And in reality, these people damage our neighborhoods. They damage the neighborhoods. They cause uh, crime. They raise our taxes. How? Well, because we've got to pay, pay for police protection. And then on top of that, you know what else we have to pay? We have to pay for their defense when they commit a crime. We've got to pay for, for their uh, medical. Yeah. You've got, I mean, here in San Antonio at the Bear County Public Hospital, you've got folks going to the emergency room constantly because, A, they don't have 
health insurance. And you know why they don't have health insurance? Because they're here in the country illegally. Not because necessarily they're poor, but because they're here illegally. And you know what? They get the attention. It, they, they are not denied. They are not denied uh, medical attention. They get it. And when they get it, guess what? They don't pay for it. They don't pay for it. Here's an idea, my friends. If we want to stop the illegal immigration problem, if people of Hispanic descent would just be logical, would just stop feeling, feeling with their heart about issues, they would understand and realize quickly how they are being taken advantage of by the poverty industry that the Democrats have set up since the, since the, the war on poverty, the poverty industry, which doesn't do anything other than, than perpetuate poverty and grow it. They are being taken advantage by the education industry, the public schools, the public school teachers who don't care about them. The only thing they care about is getting more money and they use them as the excuse to get more money. They certainly are not being educated because the, 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 the dropout rate for, for Latinos continues to, to be high and skyrocket. They're being used, my friends. They're being used by the Democrats, the liberals, Univision and Telemundo. They do a terrible job of taking advantage of, by separating, segregating by language. Latinos and uh, Americans of Latino descent or Latinos that just crossed the border. Univision and Telemundo do a terrible job of justifying illegal immigration as well. My friends, this is George Rodriguez, El Conservador. And uh, I will tell you, my friends, I am proud of being a Texan. I'm proud of being an American. This nation, this state offers us the best of life if we take advantage of it. If we, if, if we do it with our own hands, if we utilize our talents. But unfortunately, we've got folks who sow envy, doubt, and fear. And then they turn around and say, well, we can help you. Nothing could be further from the truth. This is George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. Thank you for being with us. I hope that you will continue to support us. I hope that you will continue to, uh, to listen to us. Tell your friends about us. Until next time, have a good one, and keep the fire of liberty and, and freedom burning, my friends. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.